Good day everyone, I'm Daniel Ricardo and you're listening to EFTM, everything for the man. Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast, Trevor Long with you and no, there has not been a Grand Prix this morning. Connor and Harry are not with me and that's because we've opened the gates for a special guest because... You know, just like when Oscar Piastri is willing to chat and Daniel's willing to chat, if the Australian Grand Prix has news, I think we should chat to them. And uh, the boss of the Australian Grand Prix, Andrew Westcott, joins me on the line because there's been great news this week for Aussie F1 fans. Andrew, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks very much, Trevor. But I thank you also for putting me in the same rarefied atmosphere as Daniel Ricciardo and Oscar. That, well, that I mean, in terms of Aussie F1 royalty, you've just taken the crown, surely. I mean, uh, an extension not just of 10 years, but 13 years into the future for the Australian Formula One Grand Prix is a massive coup. I mean, did you anticipate an extension of this length? Well, we've been working on it with government and Formula One for a long period of time, but uh, what it does is it really does cement the future. It cements the future mm. for for careers um, in, in motorsport, yep. administration, engineering, stimulation of sort of young boys and girls and their aspirations to follow in Mark Webber's footsteps, but uh, Daniel and Oscar, and also people like Callan Williams, Jack Doohan, and, and the Kiwis, who are going so well in, in Formula 2 as well. And I think that's a fascinating take, because I hadn't really contemplated the fact that, of course, the drivers, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, the, the industry that is motorsport, and, and the Grand Prix, you know, you employ people on an annual basis, let alone, you know, the, the, the inspiration that it gives to people to get involved in things like marshalling and, and motorsport administration. Without an, a Grand Prix at all in Australia, let alone moving it around, wouldn't create that stability for the for the industry, would it? No, it wouldn't. And uh, Tim Schenken, who's the clerk of the course, in a couple of years, Tim would have officiated, I think it is, um, 40th consecutive event as clerk of the course. And wow. the first Australian Grand Prix was held down at uh, Phillip Island. I think it was in, I'd stand corrected, I reckon it was in about 1928. So that means through the course of this next contract, that's 100 years of the Australian Grand Prix wow. It was first around Albert Park in 1953 Grand Prix racing, and um, we're building up a, a heritage. And I just love sporting richness when it comes to the history of, say, the Australian Open tennis, the Melbourne Cup, the AFL, and and motorsport. 70 years of, of Formula One, but the the heritage that we're now building in Australia for this, I really want to see the next world champion come out of uh, this mm. extension because. You got Sir Jack Brabham and Alan Jones. Long time between drinks for everyone, yeah. but a lot of aspiration, Trevor. And and this this will put Albert Park close to forty years as well. Yeah, well, I think um, aside from the, the two years we missed in COVID, if you go mm. from ninety six to um, twenty thirty five, that's thirty nine years. That's forty forty thirty nine years. Well, it's forty years, I think, yeah. um, if you include them. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a long period of time, and you know the the investment the government made and we made in the design details of the track upgrades. Yep. proved worthwhile this year and you know the event has so many different facets that a lot of other f1 events around the world don't have so it's unique it's great and uh, it's a sensational announcement for the city how much of a role did the absolutely overwhelming success of this year's grand prix play in the renewal because andrew i went down there on friday and it felt like a sunday i, I mean it was phenomenal the crowds the the atmosphere it, it was literally mind-blowing. And oh, I was sorry, I was down there on Thursday. The Thursday felt like a Saturday. I mean, it was just 
remarkable. And and I think that F1 really couldn't ignore it in that sense, could they? No, you couldn't. And and we should look. It's it's not about pumping up our own tires or yeah, it is our own drums. It uh, well, thank you very much. It um. It shouldn't be underestimated. I think it did two things. It, it shows Melbournians and Victorians and the government um, what major events do, mm. and it, it provides that, you know, that that steel in your back and the resolve and commitment that says these big events are massive for your mm. economy, and they're yep. massive not only just economics and branding and tourism, but there's jobs and the stimulation of that events industry, but also lots of people smiled. They had a ball. It stimulates civic pride and livability in a city so that's that's vitally good but and in your intro you said everything for the man i think the event this year was everything for the man and woman and young boy and young well i I actually think this year more than ever um and not to sound at all sexist but the the female conversations i overheard were basically based on netflix you know they'd been brought into the sport through their observations of it you know, in that kind of fly on the wall world, but now getting into the sport in the corporate facilities, I went to the 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 the, the demographics were not at all, uh, you know, one way or the other. It was a really um, unified event in that sense, and I guess that's the beautiful thing is the the event has changed, the sport has changed so much that any modelling that you and the government do can actually see this as not just being a you know a bunch of blokes coming down, hundred thousand blokes coming down. It's it's families. It's it's actually opened the gates to a whole range of new people. It, it sure has. And you, you just look at the the drive to survive effect. But when the gates were opening and, and Melbourne Walk is, is our equivalent of the red carpet at the Oscars, uh, young guys and girls were racing along to get a glimpse of the drivers. And, you know, back in the heyday, it had always been someone getting an autograph from mm. someone. Now it's, it's selfies and, and photos of George Russell and Charles Leclerc and, yeah. You know Alex Albon and Esteban and all the all the all the youngsters who are there and making the sport. And also, um, my son went along and had a great time at one of the music concerts on yes. on the Saturday Arvo. I mean, I think it was Peking Duck on the Saturday, the Rubens on Friday, and getting ten or fifteen thousand people having a sensational day on the sponsor's product primarily, and oh. uh, and having a good time at Formula One, but then enjoying themselves in a party atmosphere. And that's why. That's why we've got a, a good formula, pun intended, a good <laughs> formula for for the future. Do, and we've got to, but we've got to build on it. You, you, you obviously there was huge investment in the track um, leading up to to this year's race. What next for the facility? Do you need more grandstands, for example? Do you need more corporate facilities because of the interest? What else needs to grow and change over the next short term, let alone medium term? Well, y- yes to both of those. Um, Someone asked me yesterday about the crowds. You know, could we go beyond the 128,000? I, I think we can in one regard, but I, I don't want to get greedy mm. and and make sure that people don't have a sensational atmosphere and they can't view the racing. And yeah. because you know we've always all been accustomed, and I think this helped live sport. We've been accustomed to watching things at home during COVID and lockdown, but. Nothing beats the atmosphere when you've got people there and you're, you're celebrating and you're just having a bloody good time. And mm. what we've got to do is Formula 3 and Formula 2 being added to the program are going to change the way we configure our track schedules, um, the yep. locations of, of them, how we integrate um, supercars into the program, and they are part of that program, and just what we do to make the overall event a continuing festival. And there's a lot of business activity earlier in the week and a lot of glamour middle of the week we'll we'll you know continually reinvent because i'm a big believer in making sure that you 
get better, like a pit stop. I mean, it used to be three seconds, then it was two, and now it's 1.88 seconds. We've got to get better as well. And how, how will you accommodate the F2 and F3, which I think, by the way, is the best part of the announcement, um, apart from the duration? Is that something that F1 wanted, or did you want more of the the Formula Series to, to be here to see that, especially because there's, there's actually up-and-coming Aussie talent in it so much now? Yeah, look, there's every everything's about being mutually beneficial, right. and uh, you know you've got to work in partnership. So you mentioned earlier on about the track modifications; those track modifications were done collaboratively with a lot of input from a lot of parties because we have to evolve the track. We're going to need to make um, evolution of some of the facilities. What was built in 1996 is, in some areas, becoming tired. There's mm. different technologies, whether it's sort of Moving away, I mean, I remember back in the, uh, the early days of the media centre, we had to have telephone booths, ASDL, <laughs> ISDN lines, fax <laughs> machines, and now it's all about the size of the data and um, 5G and the telemetry coming into the uh, the Albert Park circuit. So you can never stand still, and it will be about evolving those facilities and working out where F2, F3 supercars are going to go, how it's going to operate, how we can get the fans closer to these open wheel uh, categories and, and the young stars of the future. And we've got to make sure that they're not behind walls and uh, inaccessible. Which is one of the great things about Albert Park, really, isn't it? It's the accessibility. Even though the paddock is closed off, it, you can still stand there at the Melbourne Walk and see the people as they come in. And last this year you had, I think it was the S5000 over on the other side of the track. Um, yep. I assume you're going to have to utilise that side of the track as a, I guess, the national paddock because the F2s and F3s are going to need pit spaces as well. This is going to be a, a minefield for you. Well, I've started to think about that. I'm sure our engineering guys, uh, mm. I was speaking to Matt Walton, who does our infrastructure yesterday, he's already uh, starting to conjure up some great new um, enhancements. I know um, that supercars are always wanting to in- enhance the show and get closer to the fans. So the great thing is, we're not um, hamstrung for space right. and we can do things uniquely because people want experiences. I mean, you don't want to just sit in a grandstand and, and watch something. You want to be able to get up close and have a look at the size of these new 18-inch wheels and have a look at the, the, the robust nature of a, everything from a halo to, to aerofoils and um, wings and slicks and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and from a Formula 1 perspective, obviously, you know, we've got Daniel in there now. Should be still definitely with McLaren next year. We've got Oscar on the cusp. This next year, 2023, could be one of the best years for you to promote because you could have multiple Australians on a formula grid, whether it's F2, F1, F3, uh, plus the Aussie contingent in terms of supercars and other support events. Theoretically, the track action for Aussies will be unlike any ever before. Yep, and it, it's akin to what you get down at Phillip Island. I mean, in, whether it was in 125, 250s and the 500s, but I can remember one great year we had we had um, Aussies on the podium of Moto3 was Arthur Cece's, Moto2 was Ant West, and MotoGP was Casey Stoner. Mm. And, and having youngsters in the ranks, whether it's on, on two wheel, wheels down at Phillip Island or in four wheels is sensational because we just love Aussie, Aussie sporting stars. And... You know, the ability for Oscar and Jack and Callan Williams and the Kiwis to cut their teeth and have family and race in front of family is not something they always get because they normally have to go over and do karting um, in Europe 
and they're away from their families for a long period of time. So that's a special, that'll be special atmosphere as well. Just back to the crowd numbers and where you put them, um, have you got in the back of your mind the, the cost of living concerns we have right now and you know, still making sure that this can be a family event? So, for example, I desperately want to take my boys down um, next year. Can't see myself shelling out for grand uh, for grandstand tickets more than one day, but you know that that idea of a you know lovely place to walk around, a lovely place just to kind of enjoy the the entire circuit. Do you do you create a kind of family hill kind of atmosphere, a place where it's you know safe for families and and also make make it affordable for families to enjoy the Australian Grand Prix weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm acutely aware of that as a um, as a government owned event we've got a responsibility you know not only from the sustainability and the environment point of view but also the um, accessibility and affordability for families and when you look at it we, we've always had kids 14 under a free yeah. you have a community day on a thursday grandstand tickets are 91 dollars on on friday um what you can do is you can come along and you can see the you can see the drivers at melbourne walk on a Friday, you don't need to have the most expensive tickets. Mm. You can be GA on Saturday or Sunday in different areas, and you could be a grandstand on Friday. And yeah. you, you know, you can walk around a park. There's a beautiful park, and you catch the tram there. You know, on a two or three minute shuttle mm. frequency. So, you know, we we want to make sure that it's accessible to everyone. And lots more young girls were coming with mums and dads rather than just it being a, a male dominated. Um, motorsport spectacle and i think that's a testament to what else you put on around the event as well um you know if you're sitting in a grandstand or you've found a great place on the hill and you've enjoyed some supercars and some something else but the one thing that's on the track right now is you think there's so much else to see and again you've still got the space to grow that don't you there's so much space in that parkland area that you could grow all of the different aspects of the grand prix it's not really just about growing the the on-track action yeah well i i, I do think we probably limit uh we're limited by daylight hours just about mm. now on on the on the track action, but there's different things. Whether it's the music I alluded to earlier on, or innovation and technology uh, demonstrations and exhibitions and displays and so on, because you know that's the thing that does attract many people to the sport. That yeah. it's got this unique, it's um, man and machine. Maybe it's going to be girl and machine in Formula One with the, the ability to have the aspiration for young boys and girls who are in karting to come through. There's there's a lot to see and do, and what it also does is gets businesses attracting their investors and others to Melbourne at the time. And there was a lot of corporations who, you know, will occupy suites and private facilities around the venue who mm. are making investment decisions either in hotels or manufacturing plant or or other investment for infrastructure in Melbourne, and they're attracted because we can do these things. This and the tennis extremely well and um, and deliver them without, uh, you know, without hiccup. Just finally on that, um, I saw a bit of reporting from Formula One uh, pundits, you know, um, Sydney lost out and all this. Kind of, I, I live in Sydney and I wouldn't support the Grand Prix coming here. Um, I don't even think there was a genuine bid on, was there? Was there any actual opposition from another state or was this really just you doing a business deal that needed to, you know, please both parties? Well, there was... These things are business deals, but um, the world of Formula One is unbelievably competitive. There's 22, 23 slots available at the mm. moment, but and, and many of those are locked away in contracts, and there's probably about 30 to 35 cities who are wanting uh, Grand Prix races. And, you know, if you look at the look at the feedback from Dominic Perrottet yesterday um, <laughs> on the day of announcement, he, he cracked the sads quite legitimately because there's 
there's not many events that are going no. to put your city on the map annually and regularly. So it, I believe on, on the basis of what I've read there, it was very, very real. Now, um, there's a lot of real bids and a lot of real interest from cities around the world. And regardless of whether they're publicly displayed or privately behind closed doors, um, you know, the, the threats of being complacent and losing events mm. are very, very real um, in this day and age. And therefore, the ability to get a 10-year extension is a major investment of the Victorian government that is all done for the, the right reasons, economically, branding point of view, tourism point of view, and I think extremely importantly from a civic pride point of view. Yeah, well, Balti Bridge is no Harbour Bridge. Fed Square is no Opera House. We'll stick to those things. You stick to major <laughs> sporting events. How's that for a deal? That's you can go to Sydney to see things and you can come to Melbourne to do things. It's a great deal, Trevor. <laughs> I love it. That's a fantastic way to put it. Well, congratulations to you and your your wider team who the effort would obviously be immense um, to both put on the event in the start of the year and then do these negotiations to ensure that Melbourne retains uh, the jewel in the crown. Um, it's it's a huge win for Australian motorsport and and for you and the team. Hopefully, you get time to celebrate it uh, as well as then you know, knuckle down and heads down and get the work done. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. And look, you can um, you rest assured that the team at the Grand Prix Corporation, uh, all our staff and the board and government were pretty pumped yesterday. And um, it, re, it reinvigorates everyone after what's been a, a tough couple of years yeah. in the campaign that was extremely draining. And the commitment from everyone here to, to deliver that was, um, you know, was sustained over a long, long period of time. So it's nice to have these sorts of wins and it's nice to then get the certainty for the future. And that's going to be good for the fans. It's simple as that. Congratulations and thanks for your time. No worries, Trevor. Thanks. Andrew Westcott, CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. And you've got to say, it's a, it's a massive win. Massive win for uh, for Melbourne. Um, I'd, I'd love to see if there was any genuine bids from Adelaide, The Bend, Sydney. And if if so, what, what were they? I mean, that's fascinating, isn't it? Like, what were they? Because how do you compete with Albert Park? Um so, yeah, a, a big win for, for Australian motorsport and uh, and a great one for the Australian Grand Prix. We have the Canadian Grand Prix um, free practice well into the early hours of Saturday morning. Free practice one is at 4 a.m. Free practice two is at 7 a.m. Um, talking Sydney, Melbourne time. Free practice three is on Sunday morning at 3 a.m. Qualifying 6 a.m. Sunday morning. And then the Canadian Grand Prix is at 4 a.m. Monday morning. We'll, do, we'll cover it all thanks to KO Sports. You can see every... Every bit of that motorsport action this weekend on KO Sports, and we appreciate their support. Harry and Connor will be with you for the post-race show um, because I need to get to the airport to go to the United States. Timing, I don't think, will work in my favour to do anything other than watch the race and then duck off, but Harry and Connor will unpack the uh, the Canadian Grand Prix, and um, we appreciate your support here on the EFTM 49 podcast. Thanks to KO Sports. Let's enjoy a great weekend of motorsport at the Canadian Grand Prix.